We're very thankful once again to be joined by a friend of the program, former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, Mayor. Nice talking to you again. So I couldn't help but notice that recently you traveled to Florida and were able to visit with former President Trump, and I wanted to get with you and have you give us a firsthand account of how that invitation came uh, to be and, and what that conversation was like. Well, I was invited because he launched a new book that uh, after one day was number one on Amazon. It's called Letters to Trump. It's a book about all the different letters that, not all of them, but many of the letters he's received over the decades from noteworthy people. And what's interesting is that uh, for whatever reason, God bless him, he put a letter that he sent to me in the book. And I told my daughters, uh, actually I told them both separately because they're both in different places. Our little one's in college and the other, our other one is here working in Chicago. And I, but I told them both, I said, let me ask you a question. What do Queen Elizabeth, Princess Diana, Presidents Nixon, Reagan, Clinton, Liza Minnelli, Oprah Winfrey, and Shaquille O'Neal all have in common with me? And of course they couldn't get it. And it was that I'm in the book and, uh, Trump, President Trump, Donald Trump in those years before um, received letters and wrote letters to all these different people that we all know from the news and from being in the public and uh, decided to put me in there, and <clears throat> which I thought was really nice uh, and unexpected. And as a result of that, I was called by one of his aides who said that President Trump asked if I'd be willing to come down because they were doing a book launch, an exclusive event, 60 people only, at Mar-a-Lago. And when you get asked to do something like that by the guy who gave you your life back and ended a terrible journey that I've been on and my family's been on, um, well, I, I think you have a moral obligation to drop everything you do and go down there. And so uh, that's what I did. And I went down and it was a Monday, it was a couple of weeks ago, it was down in Palm Beach at Mar-a-Lago. And uh, he was he was fantastic. He was extremely nice to me. And I expressed to him again my gratitude for what he did, because what he did and your listeners should know. I mean, Donald Trump's a Republican president. I was the Democratic governor from Illinois, first governor to endorse Obama. I supported Nancy Pelosi when I was in the Congress. So I plead guilty to that. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, um, but then he did what he did because he saw something that was very wrong and stopped it and ended it. And. You know, that's a very different kind of thing because most people in politics only do the things that benefit them. And they won't, they'll pass by wrongs that they know exist, but they won't do anything to stop them because they feel like there's no benefit to them. Even more so, they're afraid of the pushback. And, and President Trump received pushback for what he did for me. Um, but it was the right thing to do. And I want to say to your listeners again, I didn't break a law, cross the line, or take a penny. It was all routine politics, conversations that Obama started to make a political deal. So-called sale of the Senate seat was never a crime. The appellate court eventually reversed that, calling it nothing more than routine political log rolling. They sent me to prison for politics. And uh, what they did to me, they're doing to President Trump. It's a weaponized and corrupt uh, new way of politics with these weaponized prosecutors who are – really not only threatening but they're destroying our democracy hey governor was this the first time that you had spoken with donald trump since your release no it wasn't i've been down i've been to mar-a-lago a few times before um the first time i saw president trump and i was able to thank him was i think i want to say it was february of 2021 so it was uh 
one year after I came home, it was the it was that after that first year of COVID that I was able to get down there and uh, see him and thank him for what he did. And then I'd been to Mar-a-Lago another time. Months later, saw him again and had a chance to talk to him. And, and every single time, he's really nice. And what's really interesting is every single time he sees me, he always brings up my wife, Patty, and how terrific she is. He thinks she is. And and then he you know goes out and raves about her. And then he always asks me, you're still with her, right? <laughs> and then I have to tell him, of course I am, of course I am. And I'm happy to be here. Um, but he, he's – here's what people don't realize about – Donald Trump and I can I don't know him that well I, I had that experience on the show Celebrity Apprentice and I think I think we may have talked about this before Mayor but it, I'm home because of a miracle and the unlikely convergence of events that a Democrat governor would be charged those fake crimes the way I was in such a dramatic explosive way and that you know I'd be in a position where I couldn't earn a living and then suddenly I have this chance to be on a high rated national television show on NBC at the time called Celebrity Apprentice a show I never watched and then have a chance to meet Donald Trump. And he's immediately not only nice to me, but he knows what's going on and sees the wrong in it. Tells me how wrong it was and how I was getting screwed. And then he, you know, was frankly very complimentary about how I was fighting back. Because I do believe I had an obligation as the governor to fight back against these weaponized prosecutors. And, uh, but at the time, this was October of 2009, who could have imagined that he'd ever become the president of the United States? It never crossed my mind. And I was still hopeful I'd never you know, that I'd have justice and we'd win in court. Never did I imagine that the courts would deny me the chance to play 98% of the FBI tapes that would prove innocence. Exculpatory tapes, to this day, they still won't play them. And then the years go by and I'm in prison. I watch him run for president and then he wins. And then I see that they're doing the same things to him that they did to me. And it was some of the very same people, Mueller and Fitzgerald and Comey, all involved in my situation and his. And, uh, and that... You know, Obama would pass me by, even though, you know, when I, you know, I, I won't go into all of that except to say my last line of defense and last hope was Obama, and he doesn't do it. And then one month later, I'm called into the case manager's office, and the new president wants to see my records in prison. He saw something that was wrong, and right away felt he should do something about it, and then eventually he did it. Um, but the, what I want to say to your listeners is, I got to see. I had a chance to spend a little time with him on that show. And I just saw a guy that when the cameras aren't on can be extremely kind and nice and, and soft hearted, believe it or not. And I know he's a tough guy and a strong guy. And I think, and he is all those things, but he also is a very kind man. And it isn't just to me. I saw him do other things for people on that show. And he has a real sense of loyalty and he's tough. If he, if he doesn't like you, you know, he's a very tough guy and that's how politics is too. But he's different from most politicians because he'll do things that most politicians would never do. And sending me home like he did was something that almost no politicians would do. And he did it. And again, I was a Democrat and he was a Republican and it hurt him politically. It didn't help him. We're visiting with former Illinois Governor Ron Blagojevich. And we won't keep you much longer, but I wonder, as you watched the... Uh, ComEd 4 situation, and of course, uh, Speaker Madigan's trial uh, is going to be coming up next April. Uh, if you observed that with any interest, yes, of course I do, and I recognize all of it because I was fighting against that sort of stuff when I was the governor. You know, I was not a choir boy in the sense that I wasn't like a guy in politics who didn't play the game in a tough way. I mean, we, I was active in politics 
try to win. But I, I always was determined, and, and I know I did. We always stayed on the right side of the line of what we did. And, uh, you know, I raised a lot of money, and largely because in politics, if you're not strong politically, you can't govern effectively. And I also knew that even though I was a first Democrat governor in 26 years, that it was going to be Madigan, the Democrat Party chairman, a Democrat House speaker, who was going to be the problem <clears throat> and who was going to be pushing me to try to do certain things specifically to raise taxes on people because Illinois is the highest tax, tax state in the nation because we had 43, 43 years of Madigan being the boss man. And it was all about raising people on uh, raising taxes on people. That's why we have more than 2,000 taxing units in the state, a whole system that was created by Madigan. And I was determined to, you know, try to work and fight through that system to actually do things that would actually help real people, like the All Kids Program, healthcare, ultimately free public transportation for our seniors and for the disabled, uh, mammograms and pap smears for uninsured women, uh, education funding, and and try to be. Have more accountability in the education system, preschool for all three and four year olds, all these different initiatives that we actually were able to get done when I was governor and other things without raising taxes on the people because I discovered there were over 700 special interest purpose funds. They call them special purpose funds controlled by special interests that Madigan had created, and he became the guardian of that. And that money was in there with a surplus, but they wanted to protect that money and go back to people in Murfreesboro and get take more money out of their pockets and taxes. And I would never do it. And the way I was able to get health care, the way I was able to get uh, those investments in education and preschool and, and child care and things like that was by going to those special purpose funds. And Madigan was the guy standing in the way. And so for six years, well, for the six years I was governor, five of those years, my relationship with Madigan was always very difficult. It was nothing but conflict. And it was uh, it was a fight. But we were successful in getting those things, but you get bloodied up when you do it. And the reason he protected that stuff was because he created an empire down there um, where he got rich personally. His family got rich, Lisa Madigan. And they're all involved in working in law firms in Chicago, big silk stocking law firms that got all kinds of business through the state, through the Madigan being the boss man down, at, down in Springfield. For you, it's up in Springfield. For me, it's down in Springfield. Uh, and so did a lot of the other people down there who, we're part of that establishment. There's a deep state in Washington. Trump is absolutely right about that. There's a deep state in our state government as well. And Madigan was the emperor of that deep state. He was the one who created it. And uh, so now he's facing he's facing what he's facing. And it's a byproduct of how business was done there and how he would do things. And with the combat situation, those convictions really would indicate that he's in very, very serious trouble. And those convictions, you know, what they tell is a story of this sort of new approach that the old Chicago machine guys would do, and that was in the old days, they'd get these people no-show jobs with the city of Chicago or, or other government agencies. Um, they call that ghost payrolling. And then that became something that was criminalized, and eventually it. most people here in Chicago, the ward bosses, including, you know, I've got one in the family and myself, they weren't doing that. Um, Madigan apparently decided that he was going to find a new place to do this ghost put payrolling, and that was through the use of public utilities like, like ComEd, and that's what the whole deal is with that case right now. And um, I know from my own experience that when those people come after you, and in the particular case of Madigan, I think they're going to be able to show. I mean, they can actually show things actually happened in my case. So you know, everything was just talking about stuff, 
but uh, I think he's uh, in a very hard place and a very difficult place. And I, I don't like him. I think he's a bad guy. I think he really screwed the people of Illinois. I think he's a really heartless person who's just all about politics and himself. And you know, if he can do something that's good for the public, but it benefits him politically, he'll do it. But if it's good for the public and it doesn't get any benefit to him, even though it doesn't hurt him at all, he won't do it. So, um, and I think this caught up with him, and that's what he's facing now. But I don't wish this on anybody. I would say that uh, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, and Madigan was my worst enemy. But he's facing it now, and he's 81 years old, and it's a very bad, bad, very bad place to be if you're him. Former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich with us today. We appreciate his time uh, to join us on short notice, and uh, we'll let you go unless there's something else you want to mention that we wouldn't have known to ask about. Well, it's always a pleasure talking to you, Mayor, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. My family and I have nothing but the warmest memories of our time in southern Illinois, especially in DuCoin when we'd go down there frequently when I was the governor, and uh, can't wait to get back down there. And the people are just so nice. And I'm not running for anything, so I'm just saying this because I really mean it. Well, hey, be sure to tell Snickers hello from all of us here in southern <laughs> Illinois and the rest of the family, and uh, you have a great rest of your day. Sounds great, Mary. Talk to you soon.